Hey y'all, this is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started. Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast that stands in solidarity with Pac Bean. Hey, if you know, you know. I'm your host, Benny, and thank you for tuning in. Our guest this week is an all-rounder in every respect. He is an author, actor, chat show host, show anchor, YouTuber, journalist, and for the purpose of this episode, a very active club cricketer in New Delhi. It is the multi-skilled and multi-talented Jamie Alter. We could have literally picked any topic to discuss with Jamie, and in the end we decided to go with something that is near and dear to his heart. The way cricket is structured in India from the ground up. Particularly, we talk about the growth of cricket academies in India, the role of cricket clubs and school cricket in the context of the opportunities it provides to those who are involved and how the IPL has changed the attitudes towards sports and advancement in India. A quick note for those who may not be too familiar with Jamie, please check out his episode on the Cricket with an Accent podcast, where he talks about his life, his upbringing in India, and his famous father, the late, great Tom Alter. Link to that episode can be found in our show notes. And now, here's our conversation with Jamie Alter. So, Jamie, before we dive into, you know, the main theme or topic for this episode, um, it's it it would be wrong of me not to talk about the ongoing T20 World Cup. Just a very I know we just before we started recording, we were just talking about how that's all you've been talking about for the last uh, few weeks. But I still wanted to get your thoughts on just how the T20 World Cup has been going, uh, you know, at this point and. Um, how do you feel uh, Team India has been doing so far? I think uh, from a tournament perspective, uh, first of all, guys, thank you for having me on this on this podcast. I should have said that. At the yeah, start. absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to doing this. Um, yeah, look, T20 World Cup, I think barring the, the rain. And again, I've, I've tried my best to explain this to people who aren't aware. I think it's very easy to make the ICC, uh, ICC a punching bag on so many levels. ICC did not 
plan this, keeping in mind that it's going to rain. October in Australia is early for cricket. I get that. But it's a, it's normally a very dry spell. It's it's their spring. But La Nina has come along and just thrown everyone's plans out of whack. So the rain, this was not like, you know, because I've been tagged by people, why the ICC is doing this in October? It always rains. I'm like, no, it does not rain generally in October in Australia. So it's it's unfortunate. It's very unseasonal. It's the wettest October I think Australia has seen in decades. Um, so barring the rain, which has robbed a couple of teams of valid points, I have thoroughly enjoyed this because we've seen some fantastic finishes. Um, today we saw two two very good finishes. And overall, it's been the most unpredictable World Cup uh, in a long, long time. Maybe it'll end up being the most unpredictable T20 World Cup. So from a, I mean, just from a pure viewer's perspective, I've enjoyed a lot of the matches. And I think that's what hosting in a country like Australia gives you. Varied grounds. Not all of them are huge. Some grounds have rather small square boundaries. But the kind of pitches, um, the kind of grounds we're seeing has definitely added. And I think like I was talking about on another another show uh, this morning, um, because the bigger grounds and not all the teams play this much cricket there, the fact that they're trying to to go for boundaries at the end is why you're seeing so many wickets a falling in a cluster and so many matches also going down to that last over. It's been fantastic. Team India is doing very very well. They just uh, they just beat Bangladesh to now go top of their table. That group, if you'd asked me two weeks ago or ten days ago. I would have said that's the easy group, but now it's sort of shaping up into that group of death uh, because of how results have gone. Barring a few glaring weaknesses, I think India are definitely on track to make the final. Yeah, that's something that struck me about this uh, World Cup. And even before the big teams, you know, came to play, you know, the qualifiers, right from week one, there have been some really good games, some good contests, and a lot of good stories within these contests. And I'm glad that uh, that's how it's been going so far. Uh, kind of taking uh, a detour, or I wouldn't even say a detour, a kind of complete change of direction. We're going to talk about uh, the structure of cricket in India and not necessarily like, you know, the traditional Ranji Trophy teams, uh, but just about college and school and club, you know, like how it is structured. And there's a reason we are uh, talking about that with you. So I'll let Mike take over from here. Thanks, Benny. Um, thanks, Jamie, for being here. Um so I, the reason I'm curious about structure is, you know, we've talked to people from Netherlands. Um, we've talked to Peter De La Pena, who follows cricket in, in America. And while we were having those conversations, I started realizing the structure within India really varies. So I'll start with Delhi. This is where I grew up. This is where you live. Um, and I, I notice you play a lot of club cricket yourself. Uh, which is awesome. And so what I've obviously known since since I was growing up is there's a lot of academies and clubs in in Delhi, you know, Sonic Cricket Club, Roshanara, where Gautam Gambhir played. Obviously, all these are examples and kids enroll in these academies at a young age. And these are their, um, would it be fair to say that these are their major pathways to get to, say, the Delhi Under-19 team, Delhi Under-23 teams? Yes, my own. It absolutely is. It's a fascinating place to live because when you, I mean, you know this, you grew up here. When you say Delhi, right, you have to factor in what's happening on either side. There's Noida, which has, um, and I play, I play every single weekend and I have to organize games. So you have Noida to one side and then you have Gurgaon to the other side. You can also throw in Faridabad. So it's not just Delhi. It's all these places, NCR, National Capital Region. There is no place in India, guys, which has as many options to play cricket and when i say options i've 
I grew up in Bombay. Um, it has a fantastic school structure, a very good thriving college structure, but you struggle to get grounds, right? I worked in Bangalore. There's Webb's cricket ground, and then there's St. John's. Beyond that, if you want to play a match in Bangalore, you have to be like somewhere near the airport, you know, way out there. And even the majority of the grounds there, they're still played in 2022 on matting wickets on red soil. So it's it's very tough to get a match in these other cities or these metros, as we call it here. Um, and then you come to a place like Delhi and again, NCR. I have the option of playing a match. You know, I have multiple options every single weekend. It's a big fight to get the grounds, but the quality of grounds is so good here. So that's the first thing about Delhi, which 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 struck me. And I'm going to say openly, whenever an offer has come to leave uh, Delhi, Noida, to go somewhere else, um, more than what I'm getting offered or what that job is, I'm like, hey, if I go anywhere else, I'm saying goodbye to a major part of my life. And that is playing club cricket, corporate cricket on the weekend. Because we can literally play nine, ten months of the year. That's out of the way. Coming back to your question, despite this thriving uh, option of grounds, and a lot of these grounds, probably 60 to 70% are actually on the campus of schools, colleges, and university, right? Because it has, I mean, DU is massive. There's St. Stephen Ground, there's, there's Khalsa College, there's Venkis, you know. Sonnet is actually on, Sonnet is actually on the premises of, of Venkis College. But despite that, there is no significant inter-school, inter-college tournament to speak of which is there in Calcutta, which is there in Bangalore, which is there in Mumbai, and which to a lesser degree is in Chennai. So this is also an equally fascinating part of seeing all this. I can book grounds. There are multiple WhatsApp groups. There's so many middlemen. There's so many tournaments. There's day, night, There's and the fantastic grounds. But what are those grounds coming to if they're not actually being used by the college or the, you know, or the school kids? I've played for the last six years here. We've never actually, only one time did we actually play the DPS, that is the Delhi Public School, uh, Mathura Road, or sorry, Barakama Road. We played their second 11. These were kids no more than three and a half, four feet. They were 12 to 15 and they smashed us. Okay, like they smashed us. But that is the only time in six and a half years we've ever come up against any other academy team. We have a player, we have a very fine young, uh, young boy on our on our team, Maddie, he's played up to under 15 level for Delhi, for DDCA. He says that, you know, if you want to aspire to play for any level within the DDCA, it's either you come through Sonnet, you come through Roshanara, you come through Telefunken, and there's a fourth name somewhere in um, in Rohini. I forgot the name. These are pretty much your four options. And within those four options, you're either part of the late Mr. Tarak Sinha Sonnet Club or your partner, right. beyond those two, but look, you're so far back being number three and four. So it's this really weird dichotomy. On the one hand, you know, I mean, everywhere you go in Delhi, you see kids, you know, lugging their, their kids and they're running around. So there's clearly a lot of cricket happening. But when that cricket is narrowed down to pretty much two clubs to break into uh, the DDCA, be it under 12, under 14, under 16, under 17, under 19, or finally the Delhi Ranji team, I find that very, very weird. Yeah, and, and that's a really great point. I had not thought about it before you mentioned it, but even growing up, I played a lot of cricket at Gargi College, which was back then RP Academy. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's still called RP Academy, but but uh, but either way. So what I've realized is all of these colleges, uh, colleges in particular, maybe schools are a little bit different, but colleges in particular have grounds, have the infrastructure, and some of those grounds are great as well, uh, as you mentioned. Um, so what what stops like school and college competitions from thriving? That's that's something I'm always curious about. 
I guys, I don't have an answer, but I I would suspect that it has to do with the DDCA, which you guys must be aware of, is not the most transparent, not the most smooth running cricket board in the country. It's notorious. I mean, Bishan Singh Bedi, yeah. the great Bishan Singh Bedi, who captain India, you know, one of the finest spinners. Look at India, one of the finest spinners of all time. He famously had to stand in line uh, when he wanted his son Angad to uh, to join. Now, Bishan Singh Bedi, you know, who's an icon of, of Indian cricket, who came through the Delhi system. If that man has to go through this, I mean, good luck. We've, we've seen him. You mentioned Gautam Gambhir. He's he's brought players like Navdeep Saini in from Haryana and half the DDCA has walked out. So there's this whole murky part of it, which I'm not even going to go into. But I think that is a big factor because it's such a club dominant. And like I said earlier, the grounds are so good. They're so big that the schools actually make far more money off giving it off to people like me and my team on the weekend. And when you host tournaments, you know, the DDCA leagues, I mean, I played at top grounds. I mean, uh, not like not the Kotla yet, but if I forked up enough money, me and my team could could book one of three slots at the Kotla. So I think it's that whole, let's just make as much money as possible. Um, and when the money's coming in, they don't really care about the schools. Um, I'm surprised. I know that at, at one point, at least in the mid-90s, the DU college scene uh, would produce a lot of good players. A lot of players have come through there. But at least in the last 15, 17, 20 years, easily, um, no proper um, player has come through the school system. They may have gone to DU. They may have gone to some school. Maybe, you know, DPS or, uh, you know, or modern school, Barakamba. Maybe they have an edge. But it really comes down to how quickly and how long you can stay at these top at these top um, clubs. The boy I talked about, Maddie, he's been he was he was part of Sonnet for about three years, but he he couldn't go the whole distance because it's so it's so competitive. And at some point, there was the the fact that his family would have to give something to get him selected in. I mean, that's 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 the truth of of cricket across across the country. Yeah, that's that's incredibly sad um, to to hear that. But I mean, it, it is the unfortunate uh, you know truth on the ground. Um, the other aspect I'm curious about is coaching and budgets for schools because I think that is another place where things are lacking. Um, when I was growing up, again, this is a long time back, uh, 20 years back, but uh, our coach was uh, a former domestic player. He actually commentates on games these days, Ajay Mehra. And, um, oh, of course. Uh, I know him well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he was our coach, but we were in a situation, I was in DPS Faridabad, and we were in a situation where we didn't actually have a very good ground. So even though they were managed to get a budget to hire a coach, play some tournaments, uh, we didn't necessarily have great infrastructure. So we were, as you mentioned, playing on matting wickets. And then when we would go out play tournaments, it would be on turf wicket. It would be very different. Um, so I think that is another big obstacle. Um, and I think maybe it's also a cultural thing where there's a lot more focus on academics and less on sports. So do you think that plays a part as well? It it probably was, like you said, a lot more at the time that you're speaking about, Mayank. But definitely okay. now, I mean, I don't know when I last saw a, mat, a match being played on a matted wicket, you know, apart from Bangalore. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying Bangalore because I have friends who and friends and former colleagues who until like six months ago were playing for me and they've shifted to Bangalore. And yes, they're playing, but they're like, man, we just missed the fact that you would give us seven options of grounds every Saturday. Like they're actually driving an hour out to, you know, Hebbal, I don't know, Hebbal, and, you know, way out there to get matches. And when they're getting there, they're like, 
We're still playing on red soil. It's clay and matting. So the Delhi of nowadays, even the school, I mean, even a half-decent school, I know will have a good turf. And it goes back to the fact that somewhere in the system, uh, the organizers, the school committees, the coaches, they realize there's a lot of money to be made because cricket is now the number one sport. I mean, number one, I mean in every single aspect. So probably the IPL, you know, players coming through Sonnet, these are just examples of why parents want to put their kids into cricket. So somewhere... Someone realized, hey, let's 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 make money because these grounds, even the grounds, some of them might be small. They have side screens. Every, almost every third one has has an electronic scoreboard now. There's there's you know there's there's a, there's lights. Day night matches are huge. So I just think it just comes down to the pure economics of it. So there's so many options. But coming back to the coaching, um, like you said, Ajay Mera is one example. A lot of players who played a lot more cricket for India, um, not long after they retire, you see that they've launched some academy and uh, probably 99% of these academies are actually on the grounds of some big school you know uh, in Delhi in Gurgaon in Faridabad and Noida where I live across the road there are three grounds and they're all on the on the premises of a school and because sports especially here in the north is such an easy aspect to sell um, you walk into any of these schools and I walked into most of them at a time either looking for a ground when the, the time came for my eight-year-old, you know, five years ago to go to school, six years ago. The first thing I'm like, every school is saying that we have the best cricket team, the best shooting, the best golfing. I'm like, wow. So more than the education, a lot of these schools are actually plastering cardboard cutouts and trophies of all the of all the awards which their students have won. So it's a big selling point. So when your focus, and again, I don't want to be this guy who's just talking about the negative things. When your focus becomes that, I don't know how much they're actually getting coached. I my son, he goes for cricket. He's not learning much. I hope no one from the school is watching this. I have other parents I speak to. So the standard at that level is actually, there's not much happening. So if you join the dots, you see why the school, they all have good grounds, you know, but they're, the coaching is somewhat lacking. It's not a blanket statement. I'm sure there's a lot of good coaches out there. But from my experience, and I can only speak from that, I've not been too impressed with the coaches, at least at this level. My my son has not gone to Roshanara. He's not gone to Sonic. I'm not saying even by a long shot that that's happening there. But probably there's not enough good coaching at the school level for players to, you know, use that as a stepping stone to aspire to play for any age group level of any, I mean, be it, be it Haryana, be it UP or be it Delhi's from GT. So, Jamie, uh, I do have to uh, bring it up because you mentioned it uh, about all these academies sprouting up. Um, with a lot of uh, former players. Um, and I should say, what I've noticed in recent times, it's not necessarily restricted to former players these days. I feel like even active cricketers uh, open up academies, like Tina Tarajan um, uh, opened up an academy. And, and, I, and I feel there is, when I think about Indian cricket, and not necessarily like international cricket, like their national team, I mean, uh, but at the local level, there are just academies everywhere. You know, there are there is some sort of cricket academy. You know, it feels like every corner of the country now and it's expanding into even like more remote regions like the villages uh, too. So I'm just curious, is that really a good sign? Because it seems like quantity over quality at, at this point. If everyone is opening an academy, are the coaches actually good? Or is it more for, is it, does it extend beyond cricketing reasons? It's to give more like economic opportunities or, you know, those kind of things. So I'm curious about your views on, I feel like the explosion of academies, cricketing academies all over the country. 
Very good question, Benny. And again, there's there's no straightforward answer to this. It definitely, I would agree with you. It does come down to the quantity over quality. But again, that's 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 not a blanket statement because I have a friend. Um, he he started his own sports NGO about ten years ago, and he's associated with the Anantpur Anantpur Sports Academy down in down in Andhra, as well as another sporting academy in Orissa in Bhubaneswar. And I mean, I I take his word because he's a professional and what he does. He says that these are some rare examples where there's actually is actually the, the the students are being nurtured. If it's just two out of this whole ocean of 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 academies popping up, I think that's 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 a good sign. Again, we don't have enough data. We don't have enough proof to say which academy is is giving out more kids. But even if the gain is purely financial, like you just touched upon, Benny. It does give opportunity for people for employment as well, right? If you build a ground, people mm-hmm. are building grounds. So if that is going right down to that grassroots level, if coaches are being hired, if people are getting jobs, I'm all for that. If the if the result is not that one one academy or one hub is giving players which are going on to play for the state, that's something I think which which we can all live with. Again, I don't have data to say who's from which academy is is coming out. But again, something like the MRF Pace Academy has been around since the 80s. I mean, Dennis Lilly was was there for the better part of 20 years. In fact, I met him just uh, on the week when he departed and Glenn McGraw was appointed. I mean, let, let's be fair. If we if we look down at the 30 or 35 years that the MRF Pace Academy has been around and how many players have come out of there and gone to play for India, the number is minuscule for many, many reasons. So I don't think we should be looking at all these academies to necessarily bring, bring, bring the next... Virat Kohli or the next, I don't know, the next Zaheer Khan or the next anybody out. As long as it's giving young kids in this country a chance to go play, I think the time a lot of kids spend indoors is is just way too much. So I think if at the very least it's giving kids a chance to go and knock it out, get hurt, get bruised, feel the sound of bat on ball, that's something which I'm all for. So from that aspect, I'm not surprised that there's academies sprouting out everywhere across the country. My only worry in that, though, is... For every hardworking and well-intentioned person, there's always someone trying to scam. <laughs> That's, right. India. <laughs> That's India. That's India. Uh, <laughs> That's the world, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, like you know, it's like how there are so many tuition centers in India. Like all, like every street you turn into, there's a tuition center, and uh, it feels like every other week there's like some news uh, about how th- they were like scamming the students there. And my worry is that like cricket academies or the new one, especially because how lucrative cricket is compared to probably 20, uh, well, 15 years ago. So I think you just you just mentioned it, the newer ones. These are the ones, be it a new school or a new call center or a new restaurant, whatever. That word new, you, you do look at it with a level of suspicion, right? Like how long has this been around? What's behind? I'm not taking names here, but there are several academies where former India players have been linked. And you speak to the people there, Said person hasn't been there for six months, eight months. So what's the point, right? Again, that's a very, yeah. it is a very Indian thing, uh, unfortunately. But again, it goes from the bigger yeah. picture. I mean, th- four or five years ago, I remember I was driving in, driving back home and I pulled into the gate of the housing society where I live. And there was some academy who had a picture of Messi on it saying, your kid could go to Argentina. And I'm like, first of all, Messi <laughs> doesn't be aware that his name is on this. And no chance of any kid from India, no matter how good they are, ever going and playing with him. So that whole that whole scam culture, make a fast buck. Sadly, that has you know shot through the roof in the last probably 10, 15 years here. 
I, I will I will counter a little bit to your to that though I will I will say that you know there are a lot of cricketers and that we've seen growing up like think about Julian Goswami who used to take four trains and you know travel to Kolkata to play a game so to your example Benny where you said Tina Trajan who comes from you know a smaller town in those cases I think more academies is definitely a good thing i'm sure there are people who are trying to scam but even if you know a youngster gets some initial coaching gets an initial interest it's probably going to lead to positive things but yes i, I agree that in some of the bigger cities and in, in delhi mumbai kolkata where there's already plenty of cricket um it probably you know there's probably oversaturation and there's probably that uh, the commercial aspect of it more than uh, you know having a good good heart uh, at what they're trying to do i mean I think in the case of a team, Natarajan, just knowing his story and his very humble beginning, someone like him doing it, you would assume that that is entirely for good and that good will come out of it. Yeah. I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but about six, six odd months ago, I did a big investigative story into the corruption in Uttarakhand, which is a state where I, where I grew up. And it's happening there. I had to go. I had to spend three, four, uh, three, four trips there. I had to meet parents. I had to meet people. I had to actually go and play a match with my team here at, at one of the the grounds where all this was happening to see how it is and same thing they're taking money saying we'll put your kid in and those kids don't even get a chance to play for the junior age group because the guys who are who are corrupt and crooked they know how big cricket is they know to what lengths a parent would do to get their son in that long 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 line of you know of players aspiring to play for the state and when that's the mentality it's very very easy with today's power to today's clout everyone seems to have money um so that is one one major drawback but again let's let's be optimistic let's hope that you know that the natrajans and um there's someone like a robin bish who i know he played for rajasthan for years he was part of the back-to-back ranji winning side he started uh, an academy in gurugaon uh, well before he retired he's not officially retired he's still playing but he, he had once so i've had long talks with him and i mean i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt of the people he's hired because he's someone, um, of course, now with social media, it's very easy to spot who's actually at the ground doing things. Um, I think that's also a potential game changer when it comes to uh, sitting up who's actually doing hard work and who's not there. So there are a lot of active domestic players doing good things. So let's hope that um, somewhere down the line, we hear good news coming out of all their, their academies. Well, since you mentioned uh, about being optimistic and staying optimistic, well, let me ask you this. Um, and in your personal experience and your interaction with, you know, players from different backgrounds and all of that, uh, how much of that is they are playing cricket because they just love the game versus they want, they're playing the game so that they can maybe break into like the next level and maybe one day play for the country or, you know, better economic opportunities. What, what is the distribution? I would say now, because given how professional cricket is and how it's actually seen on a wider level as a viable opportunity, no doubt people are playing it with perhaps a more defined goal in mind. But still, you ask anyone, they got into it for the love of the game. I think that's something which is never going to go away, Benny. Right. Um, I mean, I think be at my level, your, anyone's level, that first, you know, picking up the bat, picking up the ball, feeling the ball on bat, be it, a, be it a table tennis ball or a, or a green ball or that red Vicky ball we had, well, whatever. I think that it has to start from that. But if you're getting into saying, oh, I'm going to use this you know, to make money, you're, you're not going to go anywhere. I think that that part will never go away. But what I've seen is, you know, like the 16, 17-year-olds 
I think they've realized that, I mean, if you're, if you haven't played to us, if you, let's say this, if you're aspiring to play for a state team and beyond, you pretty much know that if by 15, you haven't been able to crack it, it's game over. I mean, this is not a, this is not a film Hollywood or Bollywood or any, anything where, you know, someone gets picked and like at the age of 25, to, it, 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 it doesn't happen. Um, even at Praveen Tambe had been playing for years at the <laughs> club level, right? You know, he got his IPL chance. But I think that the, the love for the game, um, it, that's where where it starts. I think everyone has a genuine reason. If if someone is better and they manage to get up the ranks faster than somebody else, that's just uh, a natural process. But I'm very glad that at a young age, kids can. I know the IPL gets a lot of flack in all these leagues. I have no problem with someone. If, if their end goal is to play for an IPL franchise, I'm okay with that. They don't have to yeah. go on to play for India. You can make a secure living playing, uh, even being um, on the squad of an IPL franchise for five years. You could buy a house, you could buy a flat, you can get stuff done for your parents. I'm okay with that. A lot of people say, "Oh, this IPL has come in and it's you know it's diluted the water and blinded kids." I don't, I, I don't buy into that. If it's a gateway for people to make money and feel more secure, so be it, man. Right. So I want to um, go back to our initial conversation, and uh, we kind of switch topics because we just got into the flow, which is one of these podcasts. You know, you can go here and there, yeah. have fun. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's like we're sitting together and just having a chat. Uh, but one of the other things, you know, and you kind of mentioned it is, you know, Bangalore, Hyderabad, Chennai. These uh, cities have a school culture, have a college culture in terms of cricket. Um, do you know how that? you know how that worked is there also a similar case where i mean i know there's a couple of big schools in in bangalore so is it similar that that you know like you said with delhi there's two major clubs is it similar that you have to be in those two or three main uh, schools in in those cities to be you know to really have a chance of breaking into the under 15s under 19s i can speak mainly from the mumbai or or bombay perspective there there are clubs i mean you know there's there's the other union and there are some but those they're they're not remotely as powerful as they were when they were producing sunil gavaskar and ravi shastri and sanjay manjrekar now in bombay it's still you still do look at the colleges and the university to see who's 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 coming through there is it as strong as it was 15 years ago 20 years ago no but because there's there's not as vibrant a club structure in a place like Bombay as there is here, and again, I mentioned all of four clubs, but these four clubs, especially the top two, have such clout. Yes, there was a Ramakant Ajrekar for years um, who produced a whole assembly line of players, none bigger than, of course, Sachin Tendulkar and then and then Vinod Kamli. But you don't hear of these cases anymore, right? You see this, I mean, Arman Jafar, Prithvi Shaw, and the other fellow, Sarfaraz Khan, they, they have all come through some school, be it Rizvi, you know, and then you have the Giles and Harris Shield. So in Bombay, it's still very much, oh, you want to get noticed? You score runs in these school-based, in these college-based, in these university-based things. You can go and score runs for some club in Ghatkopar, but it's actually not going to amount to much. So it's very, I don't think we can actually compare any city to, to, to you know, to the other. Um, so for Bombay, I mean, Hyderabad, I've been there, but I don't know enough about their structure. Bangalore, I spent about four and a half years. Of those four and a half years, the first two were just, um, we shared a boundary with the Webs. Is it Web or Webs? Webs ground, which is there on MG Road. Very small ground, but every weekend there were school players playing playing there. Uh, St. Joseph's, of course. That's the one where Rahul Dravid went, right, I think? 
Correct. Correct. Yeah. But again, are these schools as as powerful now? I I would wager to say no. I don't know about powerful, but uh, I I studied in Bangalore. I studied at uh, Bishop Gordon Boys School, and they had a very frenetic rivalry with St. Joseph's uh, back in the day. I don't know if it's changed, but I remember you know when we used to watch these games between the different schools, the rivalry was intense. You know, um, and they would talk about oh this. This player is definitely going to make it into the Karnataka Ranji team, and you know players like Robin Uthappa, and there was another player we were so sure was going to make it to the Indian team, Amit Verma. So you know there were all these players who were like stars in that circle, and sometimes I feel like that's a missed opportunity because you know you look at the college uh, sports system here in the U.S. or even like schools, um, it seems like a natural like feeder into like you know a step up to the leagues above them and i wonder if that is being missed in india or if it's probably not even feasible just because how huge the country is and the challenges to to that but i feel like from my experience of following school cricket in bangalore and how you know the the, in, the level of competition the level of rivalry uh i wish that could have been channelized more yeah, I mean, I I'm sure right now if you if you were to walk into these campuses now when they're playing, you probably would get that vibe still. But again, now with the IPL especially, I mean, right. that is seen as I mean, people can and I've said this very openly before also. People can talk about the Sayyid Mushtaq Ali Trophy, so and so scored this run and this wickets. That's all great. But if you want to aspire to get into India's T20 team or one day team. It's, it's success in the IPL. Now, how many IPL right. franchises are scouting schools and colleges? I don't think very many. I mean, John Wright, John Wright went and, and I mean, discovered Jaspeet Bumrah, but Jaspeet Bumrah was playing for a state team, right? And I, I, I mean, probably you're right. I mean, Benny, the Robin Uttapa era, when, when he was coming up, I was I was in, in Bangalore and we saw the whole awe, awe around him as well. I don't think any player that I can think of since that era, in mean, 2005, six era, has probably made a name, you know, from doing things at the school level. Like Gail Rahul, again, Gail Rahul was known uh, for a school, but it took it took achievements in the underage tournaments. So I don't know how many, again, we don't have data here, how many players in the last 20 years have gotten into uh, into any of these leagues, in any of these um, domestic tournaments based on school achievements. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to think. I did... I interview Shubman Gill at the start of this year when he was had the injury layoff he did say that his father shifted shift they went from a village they went to Chandigarh so that he could get his kid into that school from which a lot of a lot of uh, players were selected this was I think it was DAV college Chandigarh which is where Kapil Dev, Dinesh Mohia, Yuvraj but again that's that's just one example right I I don't I think nowadays if you were to do a do a vote or, or like figure out what the pattern is. Most parents would probably be moving to put their kids into a certain academy, you know, more than any any certain school. Um, so like I hope the rivalry between these colleges is there, but schools and colleges, to my mind, stopped being a feeder system years ago. And I guess that's a miss. So to, to Benny's point, he was mentioning standardization. Um, 
Because if you think about it, like having a standard system like we have in the U.S. here where any NCAA sport has, you know, a lot of importance in school, a lot of importance in college. Absolutely. There's also like funding opportunities in terms of college education, things like that. If that can come to cricket, we would be exploring or we would have the potential of exploring a lot more talent. Um, so that definitely feels like a miss. But I, how has that been impacted by the IPL? Because I know that, you know, some... Uh, not all franchises, but some of them are having camps with younger players, players they see potential with. KKR is, is one example I read about recently. Um, and I recently saw the junior PSL happening. And I think that's a fantastic idea because that can be potentially a feeder system into, you know, the senior teams. Um, so have you seen any movement around that? Or what? do you do you think that's going to happen in the next three to five years? I have seen that. Yes, you're, you're right. Uh, it happened with KKR. It also happens here. Um, I've been I've been playing a match at at Venkis when uh, when the Sonnet Nets were on. Young kids from the age of probably seven, eight to twelve, thirteen were playing, and uh, and in that midst, uh, Rishabh Pant, Nitish Rana, and a third, uh, Maya, not Maya. There was another guy's name starts with M. He's also played a lot of cricket for New Delhi. These three guys came with one of the scouts from Delhi. Delhi Capitals. Nitesh Anna was not with uh, Delhi, Delhi, Delhi Daredevils. This was back then. He was very much with KKR. But there was somebody in there. Because you know when you're playing a match and everything stops and everyone's looking there and Rishabh Pant, Nitesh Rana, and this and the, and the other player walk in. Um, so this was the first time that I actually saw um, somebody in there who was a scout. He was an Indian guy and he was there. He probably spent about 45 minutes with the late Mr. Tarak Sinha. These three guys. I think Rishabh Pant had a net and I think they faced some of these these kids. Again, probably not older than 14 or 15. So it's very much there. But again, how many of them have actually gone on to play? I have spoken to a few players who've gone for, again, they've gone for KKR trials. They've gone for Delhi, the Delhi Daredevils and now Delhi Capitals trials. Four? I think four of them. Uh, none of them was interested in school. None of them was associated with any any good school. I think two of them are on the verge of dropping out. It just goes back to the point we're talking about. Uh, even these trials, they're not looking at what school you're coming from. What's the club you're associated with? So again, it's a it's a huge miss. One of the fascinating aspects, like you guys have talked about, of the states is the structure, the opportunity. It goes right down to your school, right? Like uh, Michael Phelps can go on to become America's greatest Olympian. But that happened in school. That happened in university. How many big universities have budgets, you know, which, which, which certain countries cannot even think about to nurture a Michael Phelps, right? So when you're trying to compare that structure to what's happening here, as they say in Hindi, kabhi nahi hoga. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a little bit sad because at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, you think of sport as this equalizer, but on a positive note, the fact that we have so many athletes across sport doing so well, you know, winning medals. Abhinash Sable, you know, in the 3,000 meter steeplechase this year, you know, breaking 24 years of, of Kenyan dominance. Despite the system, we're doing this. That's yes. also something which is we have to just, you know, doff our hats and say, wow. You know? right. Well, the, the, the thing that has also changed is parents' attitude towards, you know, enrolling their children into sports. I, I don't want to throw my parents under the bus, but I remember when I was at school and I wanted to play cricket for my school, 
my parents were like, no, don't waste your time on that. You know, pay, you know, pay attention to in class and focus on studies. And so I kind of drifted away. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity. Who knows? I might have been in the IP. At least that's what I think. But I feel like now a lot more parents, like their attitudes have changed now. Like they do see sports as a means to make something, you know, for the kids to make a life out of them. So I think that's a very positive change in the uh, past years. It's a very positive change. And just again, to get off the beaten track of cricket being this top sport, what is always the catalyst for such change, right? You have to... Again, I'm going to use a very crude uh, marketing term. You need to see a Saina Nehwal come so close at the 2008 uh, Olympics. You know, hey, you know, and then she goes on to win. So the parents, even the kids will only aspire when they're saying something. If you're a young boy in Pakistan and probably 85 to 90% of your cricketing heroes have been fast bowlers, you're going to tend to drift down that, right? That's just one example. So the more the more merry coms that come around, the more nikat zareens, the parents need to see these people who go out there to break that ceiling. Only then can the attitude change. So just to pick up on what you're saying, Benny, absolutely right. But we have to give credit to the people who've gone beyond that, the parents who've gone beyond that. Um, and I'm glad, I'm very happy to say that, like I gave some examples, beyond cricket, a lot of sports. Is, I mean, the single sport, the amount of parents I've heard at, you know, at PTA meetings saying, push your kid into single sports, you know, not just cricket and football. Because they see that, you know, we may have a golfer here. We may have an Abhinav Bindra. We may have a boxer. So I think that's another huge, huge positive. And I'm very glad that, like you said, uh, parents are now, you know, pushing their kids towards sports. Yeah, and I mean, I think obviously we, we we talk about all the things that are wrong with DDCA or, or this, the way sports are set up and and all of that. And sometimes it feels sad because you know sport is supposed to be this this level playing field where if you're good and if you do well, you win. It does everything else should not matter, but unfortunately, it seems like there are still connections that that count and Absolutely. where you come from that count. Um, and that's probably not going to change right away, but at least we're, it seems like change is happening slow and steady, um, as it usually does. Uh, but but thank you, Jamie, for for joining us, and it's been a really fun conversation. Uh, I, I feel like we could have ended up talking for another hour if we if we had to. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, appreciate all your time and all the and all the inputs. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Mayank. And definitely, we can do it again. I think if we if you guys can pick up another fun offbeat topic. I would love to be here. I'm happy to talk about the World Cup as well, you know, so anytime you guys... You guys we uh, love talking We love talking offbeat topics. So if you're game, we'll definitely do another one. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'm sure, I'm sure we can make it work and I wish you guys the best and your whole team. You mentioned there was four of you the last wicket. I mean, whoever follows you, listen to you, I mean, good. Because I know, I know how much uh, hard work goes into putting out something like this so it, it takes a lot of uh, hard work from good people to put out a good product so you guys are on something and keep it going and I, obviously you guys you guys have have the passion that comes across I, I, I don't have to join you guys on a on a video call to understand that so <laughs> good guys just 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 keep going thank you for listening to another episode of the last wicket this podcast is a cricket guys production featuring your hosts Benny Mayank Nish and Himanish For more details, please visit thelastwicket.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, do let a friend know, rate, and subscribe on your platform of choice. 
Follow us on your social media feeds and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Thank you again for listening. And from all of us here at The Last Wicked, stay safe and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.